Hey guys, this is Justin from The Prince of Memegypt. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Prince of Memegypt and on Twitter at Internet Moses. You're listening to Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad on the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, guaranteed to be gluten-free. We are victim of illusion. You are listening to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. And the next 30 seconds are brought to you by our album Invisible Light, available at our Bandcamp website. Hello and welcome to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. And this is actually my first recording since I got COVID. So yeah, there's a little bit of a story behind that. But anyway, this is my own little Asian culture is awesome episode. So one of the previous episodes, I sat down for an hour and a half or so with one of my best friends, Jax, where she was discussing her love of Japanese culture. I just got back from Singapore. Uh, spent about 10 days there because my sister-in-law got married. So I now have a brother-in-law. So, yeah. And not only am I obviously a family member, but I was also part of the photography team. So for once, my presence was both welcome and required. This trip was the first time in about eight years or so that I've been to Singapore. And given that Singapore is a massive tourism and finance and logistics hub, there's always something happening, something being built, and always something to see or go to. So as I said, the last time I went to Singapore was probably about eight years or so ago. But now I'm a bit more mature and level-headed and now I'm not so distracted by shiny bells and whistles, I was able to appreciate Singapore more for what it actually is, rather than what I think it should be. So the first I'm going to go through are the positives of Singapore. So, the positives. Changi Airport is world class. Not only is Changi Airport in Singapore one of the world's most efficient and easy to get through airports, but the airport itself is both a shopping and a tourism destination. It is big, it is well laid out, it is easy to get through, it is easy to find things, and yeah, if you want to go shopping, you can literally go to Changi Airport to do shopping, which is interesting. And coming from Melbourne, uh, the other benefit I found of Changi Airport was that it had both bus services going there as well as train services. So, yeah, you can actually catch a train to Changi Airport and, yeah. The public transport is world class as well. Pretty much every residential area of Singapore has multiple public transport options, which is pretty good in itself. And 
rarely are you waiting any more than 10 minutes for either a train or a bus. If you miss a bus or a train, you are not going to go, Oh man, now I have to wait half an hour for another bus or train. No, if you literally see a train pull away from you at the station, I think the longest I had to wait for a train was four minutes. And for a bus, I think the longest was 10 minutes. Public transport in Singapore is world class. Eating is incredibly cheap. For example, the food court at the bottom of my apartment complex, you could easily get a decent meal for $4. Sure, the presentation is a bit lacking, and the service isn't always done with a smile, and not everyone behind the counter speaks English. But yeah, most outdoor dining places, you can easily get a good feed for cheap. So most apartment complexes have a what's called a kopitiam or a coffee shop uh, down the bottom and you'll easily have uh, at any time of day at least four or five different little stalls that are open that you can uh, get food or coffee from. That's what's called a coffee shop. Uh, If you go to a shopping center, you will find the food's a little bit more expensive, but it's still, compared to what you find in Australia, it's still pretty good. Even if you go to a name brand like McDonald's, the most expensive meals will be in the $10 to $12 range. But yeah, as long as you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of presentation, you can easily find a decent feed, uh, you know, not only portion size, but just the taste and the feels. Yeah, so I do not want to know how many kilos I gained from eating my way through Singapore. The world-class infrastructure. Now, Singapore is full of world-class architecture projects. Uh, My favourite part of Singapore is the Marina Bay area. Not only is the Marina Bay Sands Hotel probably one of the best buildings in the world, in my opinion, but in that area as well, you have the OCBC Skyway, Uh, You have the Flower Dome, which is actually the largest greenhouse in the world. And that is right next to the Cloud Forest, which is another large structure containing botany from all over the world. And the Botanic Gardens of Singapore themselves, I think they're actually a World Heritage listed site. And they're also, (laughs) that's also a really good place to visit. Just don't visit on a really hot day, is all I'm saying. In Singapore, the poor aren't too poor. Now, I got this from a very good friend of mine who works in the social welfare system. So my friend who works in social services was saying that, yeah, the welfare system in Singapore is really good. Like, no one starves in Singapore. So sure, like the poor people aren't living the high life and driving around in cars and all that. But what he was saying that the middle class gets squeezed pretty well to help ensure that the lower class are cared for, which is probably actually very similar to Australia in that taxes are high, but that helps pay for welfare. And the last positive that I'll note is that in Singapore, shopping malls are very well done. In Singapore, air conditioning is life. 
And one of the most reliable places to get air conditioning is shopping centres. One could easily do a shopping centre tour of Singapore. And also one of the other things to note is that almost every single train station in Singapore is either adjacent to or is literally connected to a shopping centre. But yeah, there are numerous shopping centres, obviously there are numerous train stations and they're almost always connected to shopping centres, so you obviously have lots of shopping centres <laughs> to, to visit. But yeah, you've got really big ones that are like six or seven storeys tall. You've got really wide ones that are only, only maybe two or three storeys tall, but they're just really, really wide and long and big. Easily do a shopping centre tour of Singapore. And that is without visiting Orchard Road, which is apparently the shopping hub of, of Asia itself. Now, in this next section, these are neither positives nor negatives. These are just things that I happened to note while I was there. When a job is advertised, the salary is given in the monthly amount. So you don't see the per hour rate. What you see is the, is the monthly figure. So if you see a job being advertised for $1,800, that is the monthly salary and presumably full time. Just on that, uh, work-life balance isn't always a thing. The Asian work culture is you're expected to spend long hours at the at the office for not much pay in order to you know, get ahead and be harder working than your boss and all that kind of stuff. And it's something that the Japanese are famous for as well. But yeah, Singapore isn't noted for its work-life balance. However, that is starting to turn around. Yeah, it seems that there is more of a, uh, a focus on the person and looking after the person's health and you can squeeze blood out of a stone, but, you know, it's better to have the stone healthy and productive rather than, uh, yeah, mistreating the stone, if, if you get what I mean. Oh, my thing to note was that coffee in Singapore is atrocious. I found myself drinking at least three or four coffee-style drinks now, I say coffee-style drinks because what I mean by that is like iced coffee or frappes or instant coffee, things like that. And I found myself doing that to get the same hit that one espresso in Melbourne would give me. Unless I found a Starbucks. There are Starbucks in Singapore. And surprisingly, the prices are a little bit uh, more expensive than in Australia, which is uh, something I found... Oh, hello. Uh, something I found quite interesting, but yes... <laughs> But there wasn't always the Starbucks uh, where I was going. And yes, I had to, I go to a shopping center and like scan for the cafes or anything. And it's like, hey, you've already had two coffees today. <laughs> yes, I need the caffeine. I'm not addicted. I'm just really, really like coffee. <laughs> yeah. uh, number four, the people in Singapore, especially the locals, are expected to obey the law. Singapore is very authoritarian, and one of my good friends describes Singapore as a tropical country run like a British boarding school. <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it. At, out the front of train stations and uh, supermarkets and things like that, there is a cardboard cutout of an ethnically Chinese policeman you know, looking all stern and authoritarian with his hand out you know, in the stop pose to dissuade uh, anyone from yeah, breaking the law and 
For some weird reason, no one wanted to help me take a selfie with this cardboard cutout policeman. Number five on my uh, things to note is that English is spoken in Singapore, but being able to speak Chinese will really help you understand the culture. To me, Singapore is essentially a Chinese country that is westernized. So especially if you're at, at a hawker's market or a, or a food court or, or somewhere, yeah, the, the, the clear majority of the residents of Singapore are ethnically Chinese and speak Mandarin, and they'll also they'll probably also speak a, a form of Hokkien as well. Yeah, so if you're conversing, if you're at a shop and conversing with someone who is uh, clearly middle-aged or older, then there's a good chance that their English won't be very good. And luckily, I can speak a little bit of Chinese just to help me get through, but yeah, my Chinese is incredibly rusty, so uh, I sometimes get my wife to do things for me. It's... And just on that, uh, my last point of uh, the things to note, everything is in four languages. So English, Mandarin Chinese, Malaysian, and Hindi. And that is because, yeah, Singapore is a, a country with four official languages, which is English, Mandarin, Chinese, uh, Malaysian, and, and Hindi, to, I suppose, represent the historical and cultural influences that Singapore has. So even though the vast majority of people are eth ethnically Chinese, yeah, they actually do accommodate for the English speakers and Malaysian people and uh, Indian people. So on the train and all the government signage and even all the warning signs and even the uh, some of the street signs will be in the train announcements and public warning signs will always be in four languages. A personal thing that I can understand Indonesian and even though Indonesian and Malaysian use the same words, those same words don't always have the same meaning. So, for example, on the train, uh, when the train pulls up to a stop, you'll hear a warning over the train saying, Berhati hati ruang platform. And I thought, that's, that's a little bit funny. So I asked my wife, Hey, honey, are they saying watch out for the platform room? Because in Indonesian, ruang means room, as in room in a house. But in Malaysian, ruang means a gap or a space. So what they're saying is watch out for the gap next to the platform or, or mind the gap. But I heard it as watch out for the platform room. <laughs> and yeah, so you just got to be uh, careful of that. So now onto the drawbacks of being a white person <laughs> in Singapore from a foreign culture. So here we go. One thing I notice is that people aren't so friendly on the street. So in Australia, you go for a walk down the street and it's almost customary to at least smile or nod or greet a person who walks past you, especially if you make eye contact. But yeah, in Singapore, people see you and just want you to get out of the way kind of thing. Yeah, and this is one of the things that took some adjusting to for me. Though some people, and especially the people who work lower class jobs, were actually more friendlier and reciprocating of uh, yeah, greetings and others. So, for example, uh, I was walking past uh, a maintenance worker, a public maintenance worker, and yeah, he smiled and, and waved, and there was a bus driver. Um, I was sitting at a, at a bus stop, and a bus pulled up. It wasn't my bus, but where I was sitting at the bus uh, station, 
I could, I had like a direct line of sight to the driver, and the driver put it, gave me a thumbs up sign. So like, okay, I gave him a thumbs up sign back and waved and you know, smiled and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> now the the biggest drawback I'd probably have to say uh, for the time right now at the time of recording is uh, watch out for COVID. I actually caught COVID in Singapore. So, yeah, a couple of days before I left, I felt pretty yucky. Uh, I did test negative before I got on the plane. And then as soon as I got home, <laughs> I rushed home, took another rat test and, hey, presto, two lines. And, yeah, there we go. I'm off uh, off work for a week and not allowed out of my house. Jeez, that was fun. That was fun. But, yeah, um, so in Singapore, almost everybody wears masks, but- because the shopping centres and the trains and the airport terminals, but especially the markets, the hawker markets, because they're extremely packed and dense and squishy and just full of people, it means that whatever benefit comes from wearing masks is pretty much completely undone by the lack of social distancing. Yeah, so no wonder Singapore has uh, very high uh, COVID case numbers. And also while uh, over there, they had public service announcements f- to watch out for dengue fever. <laughs> it's just like, one virus isn't enough. Let's uh, let's have another one just to you know, balance everything out. I caught COVID, my wife caught COVID, and then my son caught COVID. And I suspect that my daughter did too, but she never tested positive. She did feel yucky for a couple of days, so... Hooray for her. So that was a fun week. Number three, uh, which is kind of related to my uh, to the previous point, to do lack of social distancing. There's a shop I have to talk about called Mustafa's. Now, if you know, you know. Mustafa's is probably the best and the worst place to shop. It is a store that has almost everything, and I mean almost everything, it's a supermarket, it's a chemist, it's a department store, it's an electronics outlet, it's a jewellery store, it's, yeah, anything, pretty much anything you need, uh, Mustafa's will have it in one of the tight, very tightly packed, very squishy uh, shelves. It's basically um, four levels across two buildings. It is massive. But yeah, we made the mistake of going there on a Sunday, which is apparently the busiest and most hectic time of the week to go. <laughs> we I met up with one of my close friends on, on Monday and he said, oh, what did you do on the weekend? And I said, oh, yeah, yesterday we went to Mustafa's. And the look on his face <laughs> said, it all. why did you go to Mustafa's on a Sunday? It's the craziest time of week to go. Well, I was just following the rest of my family in there. That's not like I had too much of a choice. Yeah, one of my friends said he went. He went there at six a.m. one day, and he actually found the staff behind the counters asleep. So, yeah. So if you're going to go, don't don't go to Mustafa's on a Sunday. On the day that I went, uh, Sunday, it was crazy, especially the jewellery section. Now, I don't think I'm saying anything too controversial here, but Indians love gold jewellery. And this shop, Mustafa's, was in a section of Singapore called Little India. And Mustafa's had rows and rows and rows of gold jewellery. 
there are like three rows of cabinets full of gold rings and then rows and rows and rows of cabinets of gold bracelets, then rows and rows and rows of cabinets full of gold chains and bangles and anklets and anything gold you could wear. It was ridiculously crazy. So me and my son, we didn't know where we were going. So we stumbled into the jewelry section and both me as a tall white person and my son as a half Asian person, we just, we stuck out. It was ridiculous. We were pushing and squishing our way past hundreds of people who were vying for the attention of the attendants to try, try on and buy whatever gold jewelry. So yeah, it's, it's just an opening experience. But yeah, so whatever protection a mask gives you is not a match for the hundreds of people's tightly squeezed together haggling haggling over prices. Uh, it was definitely an experience. Number four, <laughs> customer service isn't really a thing in Singapore, though in the big shopping centers and name brand stores, you do usually get slightly better service, but yeah, don't expect service with a smile. If you do get service with a smile, you know, be very thankful. This isn't to say that Singaporeans aren't friendly. There were people I was actually able to strike up a conversation with and they were nice, but those people were already in the friendship circle of my extended family. But yeah, talking to strangers? Hardly. I had more conversation with a stranger on the plane on the way to Singapore on the eight-hour flight than I did for the entire 10 days <laughs> that, I was, that I was in Singapore. Which leads me to uh, the next point. Uh, let's see if I can count. One, two, yeah. So number five. Number five is the implicit racism. Over there, I became simply another white guy and presumably American. <laughs> Given Singapore's British past and uh, America's influence on, on the Western world, being white doesn't necessarily mean you're popular, uh, especially because white people in Singapore have a tendency of being either highly paid expats who are getting paid more than locals for the same job, or they're crazy tourists who are doing crazy tourist things. So it doesn't matter you know, on the face of it to, to the regular Singaporean. You know, they see me and they just see a, a white guy. They don't see a guy who can converse with them in their language, who appreciates their culture, who has an affinity and can understand where they're coming from. They just see me and go, oh, he's just, no, he's just another white guy. So yeah, like for example, if there's an empty seat next to you on the train or the bus, don't expect anybody to sit next. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's only one time when someone actually actively sat next to me in an empty seat uh, that wasn't my family, if, if you get what I mean. And what I also found was if there's like an empty seat that opens up elsewhere in the bus or the train, the, the people who are sitting next to you will move away from you to sit in those empty seats. It's so, like, okay, um, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Implicit racism for the win. Uh, yeah, so ar around the tourist hotspots, you know, I wasn't quite so unique. You know, around Marina Bay Sands and... You know, the, some of the shopping areas uh, closer closer to the, the city, the major city of Singapore. I wasn't so unique because there are lots of uh, tourists and Westerners and all that. But out in the suburbs, um, especially in the area I was staying, I stuck out like a sore thumb. I found myself getting stared at a lot. Uh, one, for being white. 
two for being really tall, three for having tattoos, and four for having mixed race kids. Half white, half Asian kids have a certain look about them. What I found was that yeah, people would look at me, then look at my kids, then look back at me, then look at my wife, and look <laughs> look at my kids. Look, is this like you know? Ah, yes, he's clearly the the Angmo's kid. So okay. But yeah, um, all that staring and all the cultural barriers did make me stop and realise that non-white people in Australia probably feel somewhat the same. So yeah, long, long story short, if you see someone from a different culture than you who's struggling with the culture and the society, yeah, don't be a racist asshat. People are people. Uh, next on my list of drawbacks is that the weather is ridiculously humid. Singapore being a tropical country, yeah, I knew I was going to walk into sticky and uncomfortable weather. I'm still trying to work out why my sister-in-law decided to get married in the middle of summer. It's so crazy. Coming from Melbourne, which is having one of its coldest winters in 20 years. So on the morning we left, on the morning we left Melbourne, you know, we've got our jeans, we've got our T-shirts, we've got our two jumpers on, we've got our beanies and hoodies and all that. And we get to Singapore, we've got to take, got to take all that off, otherwise we sweat like, a, sweat like a pig. But yeah, what didn't help was that uh, towards the end of my trip, uh, when I was in the early stages of COVID, uh, before I tested positive back in Australia, Having COVID, to me, felt very much like the flu, including all the sweats and aches and pains. And so it was hard to know if my sweats were because of my sickness or because the place is just so hot and humid. Oh, it's r- ridiculous, ridiculous. So, yeah, if you're, going, if you're going to go to Singapore, dress for the weather and drink lots of water, is all I can say. Next on my list of uh, drawbacks was that English is spoken, but not everyone is fluent. And your slightly formal way of speaking won't quite gel with the Singapore dialect, especially spoken on the street or in the in the food courts and all that. So I, I did slowly uh, tune my English to speak the local dialect, which is uh, Singlish. And Singlish is essentially a an Asianized form of English, which uh, doesn't always follow the proper the proper the proper structure of English, if you get what I mean. So, for example, if you want to get the attention of an older female, like for example a shopkeeper, the polite way of referring to her is auntie. Say auntie, auntie. And if I wanted to order food uh, to take away. Instead of saying, oh, excuse me, I would like a number five meal in a takeaway container for my consumption elsewhere, as I do not wish to dine in this present environment. You, you don't say that. You go, hey, auntie, number five takeaway, huh? And they will get perfectly exactly what you're saying. So, and because you refer to older women as aunties and older men, gentlemen as uncles, it led to a slightly funny moment in which me, my wife, and one of my friends, we visited a tourist attraction. So without me knowing uh, yeah, until uh, my friend had paid for all our tickets and he held onto them as we walked through. So my friend just walked through, just walked through and already got tickets. But one of the attendants thought my wife wasn't with me and my friend and had just walked through without a ticket. And so she was yelling, auntie, 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 come here, stop, auntie. And then my wife finally realised it was her who was being called. 
And so, yes, we finally clarified that it was her that she was being trying to grab the attention of. But yeah, afterwards, (laughs) me and my friend, we ripped my wife, Auntie, Auntie, "Ah, stop it. (laughs) It was funny. That was hilarious. Next on the list of uh, yeah, drawbacks was that um, all of the construction workers and all of the maintenance workers are either Indian or from the Indian subcontinent. I walked past a number of construction and public maintenance projects, and not once did I see a Malay, a Chinese, or a Caucasian working on those public or uh, public maintenance or construction projects. Now, I'm not going to say they're all Indians, but they were definitely from the Indian subcontinent, whether they be Indian, Sri Lankan, uh, Beng- Bengalese, Nepalese, or so ba- Bang- Bangladesh, yeah, Pakistani or whatever, but yeah, just from that subcontinent region. I never once saw anyone who looked even remotely like me working on those projects. <laughs> Next on the thing, uh, on the drawbacks is maids, especially maids to look after the children. Something that you would only be familiar with if you're either very rich in which case, please donate to my podcast. Or if you're South Asian, is uh, the idea of maids. So lots of uh, middle or upper class people hire maids to, at the very least, clean the apartment or even a house if you're rich enough to afford a house. Or sometimes they people even hire maids to look after the young children on a full-time basis. I was uh, pretty stunned when I first uh, came across the idea of maids, but it is actually relatively common uh, in uh, Southeast Asian countries. But one thing to note is that the maids are almost never Chinese. I've never seen a Chinese maid in either Singapore or Malaysia or Indonesia. The maids are almost never Chinese, but they almost always serve Chinese families. So the maids are usually either Indonesian, Malaysian, or Filipino. And yeah, so the maid business is somewhat regulated in Singapore, which is a lot more than can be said for Malaysia or Indonesia. I'll, I'll, I'll say that much. But yeah, if you do see a Filipino woman with a Chinese family, you can, especially carrying a whole lot of baby baby products, you can almost guarantee that she is the maid. Uh, next, I noticed was that not much personal expression is done. And tying into that is... Uh, what I notice is that women don't always dress provocatively. So as an example, um, even though it was recently Pride Month, the most expression I saw in regards to Pride Month was a teenager or like a young adult woman who had white knee-high socks that had the rainbow pattern up the top. And that that was it. Yeah, women tend to dress a lot more modestly. That's not to say they didn't dress well, but it's just that, you know, to me, it was refreshing to see women not dress in an overtly sexual manner. So I suppose it's, it's a positive that, you know, they're not dressing to, you know, show off their, their curves, but there's also a drawback in that there's not much personal expression. Next thing I wanted to quickly discuss was that the people in Singapore, especially the younger ones, are very materialistic, which, yes, yes, is it's a trait found in you know Western or Westernized societies, but if you've ever seen the movie Crazy Rich Asians, <laughs> you'll know exactly why that movie takes place in Singapore. It's uh, this is one reason why I say that Singapore is a Chinese country that is Westernized. 
because yeah, like your social status is in a ter- is determined by you know by your job, by your monthly salary. Do you live in a do you live in a condo or do you even live in a house? Oh, do you have a car? Oh, that's even better. Um, yeah, how well are you how well are your investments doing? Uh, what sort of phone do you have? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just but just one thing I noticed was that your social status is more determined by yeah, your material uh, your material possessions and that kind of stuff, which is um, yeah. <laughs> Next thing I quickly uh, did want to discuss as well is that there are hardly any places to sit down. <laughs> yeah, maybe a small complaint, but yeah, the first few days I was there, um, we did a lot of walking. <laughs> As my, as my, uh, my Apple uh, Fitness, Apple Fitness app, I'm about to tell you. I think there's one day that we walked like 17 kilometers or something. It's like, oh my god, I was so glad to go home. As you walk through public places and shopping malls and all the kind of stuff, there were hardly any general spaces to sit down and rest your legs. Yeah, it's just just really weird. Like if you go to a shopping center, you know, shopping center around the corner from me, plenty of places you can sit down. In Singapore, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, I wore the wrong shoes for the walking. And in Singapore, wear your decent walking shoes instead. And probably the last thing I will discuss, uh, I think probably number ten or eleven on my list. I've lost count. Freedom of speech uh, is not really a thing uh, in in Singapore, particularly as the one political party has been in power since 1959 and currently holds a 93 to 10 majority in parliament. However, it's not as cynical as one might expect. That the government of Singapore really do seem to care a lot about about the citizens. That's not to say that if you suspect there might be some nepotism happening, it's possible there's some nepotism happening. But however, whatever benefits that the political class in Singapore have, it, do- it definitely doesn't seem to be at the cost of the quality-, quality of life of the citizens. There are many, many wonderful things that the government of Singapore has done for the citizens. If you go there, you said the infrastructure and the social welfare system and all that is first class, but we don't they don't have the freedom of expression that someone from Australia like myself uh, can't come to expect. So that's Asian culture is awesome. Uh, Damien's COVID riddled, <laughs> COVID riddled Singapore trip where he took I think about two thousand photos or something. And I'm still going through them, and yeah, it's a very and uh, probably one thing I will say is that uh, if you can't take a good photo in Singapore, you, you don't deserve a camera. <laughs> I'll say that much, but I hope you enjoyed. Yeah, if you do get a chance to go to Singapore. Please like go. It is a fantastic place, but just be aware that it is hot and it is humid, and yeah, it's <laughs> the drawback. And the people aren't always as chatty as uh, you know what you may expect. But go, go enjoy yourself, live life, have fun, eat some awesome food. Because if you don't, I'll probably go back there and eat it myself. If you know what I mean. But yeah. <laughs>